This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Easter, everybody. Got to say, got a couple of Easter eggs, which is pretty exciting. I haven't had chocolate the whole of Easter, Beefy. How are you? Chocolate-free so far. But we are going to be talking about a different way to use your eggs for oh, Easter. It's, it's, it's actually a sport, apparently, a little bit later. Also, I've, I've got to say, you and I were having a chat the other day, because um, you always have these interesting-looking shoes you wear. Kind of look like the type of shoes you've, you've stolen from a hotel. What's the deal with that? The slippers? Well, if they're in a hotel and they're ready for you to take, then you take them. No, but what is the deal with the shoes you normally wear? I like my feet to be comfy and warm. But, um, yeah, I've got a penchant for slippers, Di. When I went back to the UK to play cricket a while ago, I stopped off in Bahrain for the Formula One Grand Prix. It was 2004. So I was staying in a hotel, took the slippers with me, and I started wearing them around the ground yeah. when I was playing cricket. And in England, we have a tendency to, um, you know, you go for a wander. So yeah. I used to put my slippers on. And wander around the ground. And then uh, all of a sudden, all the other players started wearing hotel slippers as well. So it became a big thing. The whole team used to turn up wearing these hotel slippers. During the season, this whole uh, thing grew and grew. And at the end of the season, the President's Day cricket. And the team presented me with a pair of slippers with spikes on. So I could actually play cricket in my slippers. Did you do that? Yeah. What was it like? wasn't that comfortable. They were quite heavy. But I actually got a wicket bowling in them. In my slippers. Do you think he would have played better in normal sporting attire, though? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So you guys all went down to the pub wearing your slippers, and they let yeah. you win. We were in Cambridge, and I'm wearing my slippers, and yes, I was in the pub wearing slippers. Yes, my dad had his, his own fashion sense like that. He likes to wear thongs around the house with, um, with socks. socks, like a geisha. <clears throat> but <laughs> I actually, myself, I got a few pairs when I was at the Hard Rock uh, Hotel in Singapore. Oh, yeah. But... I actually asked them if I could have a couple of pairs for friends. I didn't actually steal them. Yeah. And they actually brought three up to my room. They said, oh, don't worry about them. So I thought, I'll give them to my friends. Hard Rock Hotel is pretty cool. But these were enormous. You'd have to have feet the size of Yetis to actually be wearing them. Twice the size of mine anyway. This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Joshua, what has been on your bucket list? I'm looking to travel to the States for the uh, next football season. That's American football. Yeah, I was there like last year toward the end of it. Started following the LA Rams and got really into it. Was let down at the uh, Super Bowl, unfortunately, when the, the Rams didn't get across the line and uh, passed one again. Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed this time around, they do a little bit better. So you're saying you were out there last season. Uh, how long did you spend out there and uh, did you get to quite a few games? Yeah, so I was there for about uh, just over two months. So I watched the whole heat in the pubs around the place. I saw a few games as well, which are massive compared to here in Australia. And people just get really, really into it. There's non-stop talk shows. I got drawn into that. Once I was hooked, I was constantly watching it on the telly over there and um, looking forward to the next one that I could get to. Were you loud and rowdy like the American fans? Did you, uh, did you pick that up? <laughs> uh, us Aussies are a little bit different. But yeah, the Americans definitely are pretty loud and uh, out there and in your face. Um, I got into it, but I was still probably not as intense as they were. <laughs> Josh, did you? Uh, did they get you on that big cam screen? Unfortunately, I didn't get on the cam, but uh, maybe, you know, maybe next time I'll have to probably dress up a bit more. The Rams have moved from St. Louis in the last couple of years to a new stadium in, in Los Angeles. I'm not quite sure yeah. about the tailgating setup in uh, LA at the minute, but I've been to <laughs> Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome up in uh, St. Louis and the tailgating party was quite 
well uh, organised, and it was pretty full on up in uh, St. Louis. So hopefully the Rams fans right. have carried that conti- have carried that tradition on. Oh, the Rams fans, they know how to have a good time and great supporters, and we've got a good team. Beefy, what is tailgating? Yeah. Okay, tailgating is basically all the fans get to the stadium hours and hours before the game. They park up their cars, and they basically party in the car park. But basically the cars, trucks, pickups, uh, Winnebago's, RVs are full of beer, barbecues, and anything else they can party with. Basically, an NFL game is a full-day celebration, and the fans just, they drink lots, they eat lots. They'll, they'll have TVs, big-screen TVs, watching the other games before they go and watch the game. Uh, there's a whole lot going on at the moment down the States with American football. There's like a new stadium getting built that was down in Las Vegas. The new stadium's getting built there. I think that might be done. 2020, the Vegas team moves from um, yeah, Oakland, yeah. Some mixed feelings about that one. The stadium looked pretty impressive when I saw it getting built. It's going to be big, I'm sure, for Las Vegas. That would be a very groovy, but a very hot place to play. Did you try the food uh, at these matches, Josh? Oh, yeah, the food's always pretty good. Wings and beer, pretty standard for a football game. I got really into the Buffalo Wings over there, and standards are uh, sort of Miller Light, Bud Light sort of beers. They're not really uh, craft beers, but they're, uh, they're okay on a, a warm day. Yeah, it took me a while to work out the buffalo wings. I don't actually belong to buffaloes. The sauce is actually the from sauce. buffalo, but they're yeah. chicken wings. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, pretty spicy as well. Yeah, that's it. Is there any other sports or sporting events on your bucket list that you want to get to? Yeah, I've seen some cricket overseas before. and It's been pretty good down places like in um, Mumbai where they get really behind it. That's been pretty amazing to attend. Formula One's also something I'm pretty keen on. Just on the Formula One, if you do like stateside sports, get to Austin for the uh, Formula One Grand Prix. It's one of the drivers' favourite events because they can actually get on 6th Street, not get recognised, have a ball and being fairly anonymous. Yeah, I'll write that one down. (laughs) Josh, thanks so much for your call on the bucket list this morning. You're listening to The Bucket List. Big news with Tiger Woods. Tiger's found himself winning his fifth Masters green jacket. After an 11-year absence. This guy was world number one Mm. for 363 consecutive weeks. I mean, the guy can play golf. It is one of the best comebacks of all time. He was plummeted. He was down to 1,199 on the world ranking. He spent a lot of time on his back. Two years worth. That takes its toll on golf. It's a, a sport where you need to swing and have full mobility. He actually tried to get the rules of golf altered just for him, and the PGA were even considering letting him use a cart around tournaments because his knee was so bad, but it's against the rules of tournament play to use a golf cart. But because he was such a big draw cut, if Tiger didn't play, sponsors pulled out, basically. So they tried to work in a rule so he, just him personally, could have a golf cart while his knee was getting rehabbed. When you say a golf cart, you mean from hole to hole? Yeah, or? around the course, yeah. So he'd have to actually be standing up when he's swinging, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> why are they so strict, though? I mean, why can you not possibly take a golf cart from hole to hole? How is that going to affect it? Because the rules of uh, tournament play means you have to walk. How much walking do you do in these sort oh, of competitions? Don't forget, a course is probably eight kilometres long. That's pretty long. I actually did a golf tournament once at work years ago at a radio station. We came last. Oh. I don't mind. It was my first golf tournament. We got a trophy. It was really cool. Oh, even better. He's had a lot of stuff going on, Tiger Woods. Also, his marriage broke down to um, his wife, Ellen, and he had that huge sex scandal as well. How many women were involved with that? Nobody will really know, Di. They reckon it's 40-plus. 
Uh, 40? I read over 100. They've had 40 come forward. I think they were doing a calendar. Why the you... girls of Tiger Woods. Why would you come forward? How embarrassing. And for poor old Tiger, I mean, yes, he's done that, but his kids knowing as well. I mean, that's, yeah. that's got to be... Don't forget, that broke in Melbourne, 2009, that broke. When he was playing a tournament in Melbourne, that all came out. Everything sort of went downhill from him when that happened, didn't it? Oh, massively. He crashed his car. Did he lose his sponsorships? Well, the only ones that stuck with him were Nike, and they pay him an awful lot of money anyway. So they, they were basically the only ones that stuck with him. He had this revolutionary new spine surgery back in the game, winning the US Masters on Sunday at Augusta, and going from number 1,199 in the world to number six, which is just amazing. So this is Tiger Woods' fifth Masters. Also, somebody very famous was actually in the crowd that day too. Yeah. Michael Jordan. Really? Michael is, is a good friend and a very big supporter of Tiger Woods. And he said, this is the greatest comeback I've ever seen. He was just amazed. I mean, how quiet is it on the green? What's the rule with that? You're talking about the one place, Augusta National, where it's frowned upon for a crowd to actually get heavily involved. But on the 18th green, when Tiger was putting for the tournament, apparently it was like a football crowd. It was crazy. They described the cheering as deafening. I mean, to actually go to the US Masters and see your hero, the best golf player in the world, Tiger Woods, win. How amazing. Yeah, it would have been phenomenal to be there. And Also, there was one punter who made a big bet on Tiger Woods. He bet $120,000, we are talking Australian dollars, for Tiger to win the US Masters. Guess how much that $120,000 translated to? Well, I do to? know. He picked up $1.8 million. Actually, one point six five. 14 to 1 he got on Tiger Woods. Do you know why he backed Tiger Woods? Have you heard about this? No. He had a dream. So vivid that he said, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Now, you know sports betting is basically illegal in America. You can't do it. The only place you can go and bet on sports is in Vegas. Mm. This guy lives in Wisconsin. He had to get on a plane, fly to Vegas, withdraw. It was 85000 US, so he had to go to a bank in Vegas, withdraw it in cash. Then he got an Uber. He didn't get UberX, though, or Uber Black. He got Uber Pool just to save two bucks from the bank to the Vegas sports book. Went in, put the money on, cash, 85000 He had 85000 in cash on him in an Uber. Uh, yeah, and he slept it on, all because of a dream. It's would crazy. you do that, Di? If you had a dream that you thought North Melbourne were going to win the premiership, would you get up, withdraw all your money? Well, I mean, he claims he can afford to lose this $120,000. I don't have $120,000. If I had a dream, maybe I'd put a hundred, and that would be a lot for me. Yeah. This guy's name is James Aducci. He's 39 yeah. years old. He put the money in his backpack. How nervous would you be getting on a plane with $120,000 cash in your backpack? I actually thought about this in the week. It's lucky in America they have $1,000 bills. I'm guessing we only had 85 of those. Probably wasn't too, as bad as you think. But yeah, you had to have it in cash. Got to see who was actually on the $1,000 bill. That's crazy. Yeah, good question, actually. The strange thing is, he says it's his first ever bet, but I, I like the quote after he's won the money. How is this going to change your life? He goes, oh, we'll probably pay off some debts and probably get some new garage doors. A couple of weeks ago, we had Mick Fanning on the show. He was fantastic, and he told us if he hadn't actually been a surfer, he would have liked to play soccer. Who knew that? Of course, this weekend is the Rip Curl Pro in Bells Beach. Oh, it's iconic, Bells Beach. The number one event on the tour that surfers want to win. Absolutely chockers down there and wonderful weather for it this weekend too. Yeah, fantastic weather. There's only one road in and one road out. It gets absolutely full of traffic. It's an absolute pleasure to have Nick Hockley, CEO of the 2020 World Cup next year in Australia. So, Nick, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you guys? We're great. I've been trying to get you on yeah. for ages, actually. Now, Nick, I am a former international cricketer. I did represent Wales at cricket. I came to Australia, got sponsored to come and play. So 
I am incredibly jealous of your role. 2020 cricket, I mean, if uh, anything has taken the world by storm over the past 10 years, it is 2020 cricket. It's really where sports meet entertainment, and we're very lucky in Australia to have, as you say, not just one World Cup, but two World Cups with the women's in February and March 2020 and the men's later that year in October, November. My co-host is very, very jealous of your job. <laughs> it's a great privilege to be involved in putting on World Cup. This is my third major event. I did London Olympics six years on that, and then the 2015 Cricket World Cup here. Probably a bit addicted to these big projects, but it's, it's great fun. Do you ever get down to the green and have a bit of a pitch yourself just for a bit of fun? I would have loved to have been a, um, a professional cricketer. Started out not too bad, ended up rugby, ended up being my the game where I, I went on to a reasonably good level. Did you play rugby professionally? I played first-class rugby in, in the UK, just when rugby union was going from amateur to professional. Yeah, about the same time as me, mid-90s, when, uh, when rugby turned professional and changed forevermore. Let's concentrate on the Cricket World Cup. Obviously, coming to Australia, we are going to see huge packed-out stadiums. Obviously, when Australia play against England and Australia play against India and when India play Pakistan, it's going to be the number one item on people's bucket list for 2020. What's great about the format, the T20 format, just appeals an even broader demographic. We can't wait to see families. We can't wait to see the passionate fans from all the different countries. You only had to look this summer gone at the amazing support that India had. Uh, India will be here, but then all of the other countries will be here. And we're just hoping to make it a spectacular celebration. Amazing cricket with the eyes of the world on, on Australia. Now, Nick, you've been involved with the London Olympics. You've been involved with the Cricket World Cup, obviously, like we see. You've been all over the world watching sport. Now, this show is called The Bucket List. Is there anything, any sports event across the world that you haven't got to and you're yet to tick off on your bucket list? The FIFA Women's World Cup. I'd love to get along to France this year to, to have a look at that. Japan's going to be a real focus of the major events world over the next couple of years, obviously, with the Rugby World Cup and then the Olympics. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they deliver those events. Beefy, you know, travelling and going to see major international events and World Cups all around the world is just the most incredible experience. We're going to be making sure that everyone across the world, not just in the established cricketing countries, knows about it and, and hopefully comes and travels to Australia next year. Thank you very much for your time. That's Nick Hockley, the Chief Executive Officer at the ICC 2020 World Cup on the bucket list. Remember as well, tickets for the 2020 World Cup do go on sale very shortly. I think the Women's World Cup tickets are already on sale. So please look up uh, online or wherever you buy your tickets from nowadays to check out the ICC 2020 World Cup tickets for next year. This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Now, Easter time, Di, it is always a bumper crop of weird and wonderful sports in the UK. Now, yesterday was the World Marbles Championship, close to Gatwick, Crawley, Greyhound Pub. But on Easter Sunday, up in the northeast of England, the egg-jabbing World Championships are on. From personal experience, what a day. What on earth is this egg jarping that you play in a pub? Is it a sport? What do you do with these eggs? Are they chocolate or normal? <laughs> They're hard-boiled. Basically, if you know what conkers is, no. this is conkers with hard-boiled eggs. But no one knows what conkers yeah, is. Yeah, well, they so should do. A... Well, we don't, so explain <laughs> okay, it. Okay, you've seen it on TV. Basically, you get a horse chestnut, put a string through it, and you try and smash it off the other person's string. No, I right? haven't. Where have you people been? Just explain it, beefy. That's why I just explain conkers to you. Boil an egg. Basically, it's a knockout competition. It's one versus one. 
It's also known as egg tapping, this uh, competition, egg jabbing. It's very traditional northeast of England. Basically, you've got to tap the other person's egg to try and crack the shell. If your shell gets cracked, you're out, you're gone. Now, you have to carry your own egg through the whole tournament. So you could face four, five, six people. Your egg needs to be super strong, or your egg shell, I should say, to win this tournament. Have you done this? I have been to the World Egg Jabbing Championships. Got knocked down in the second round. What do you win? Actually, they had a pretty huge basket of Easter eggs and chocolate, and you're in a pub, so there was a big bar tab as well. There was probably 100 people in this pub doing it. it was, the atmosphere was fantastic. Are these people sober? No. <laughs> Bizarre sport. Do you expect them to be sober on Easter Sunday? Of course do they, not. Do they play that in this country? I think it's round Easter time. You don't play all year round, although there's no reason why you can't. And this is an English sport, egg jarping. Do egg they, jarping, Do they yeah. play it in other European countries? Well, the Greeks actually do this traditionally on their Orthodox Easter, which is next weekend. If, so they do it quite a bit, but they, they do the top and bottoms of the eggs and they paint their eggs one colour and things like that. There are rules, though. You can't put varnish on the eggs because that actually hardens well, it. No, you actually, what they do, the eggs are provided by the competitors. You actually need to choose them out of the boxes. So you can't bring your own egg. Sorry, Di. They boil it a certain way. I think it's upside down. Not oh, the, do they? Not that you can boil just, it too many different they're ways. They're all hard boiled. They just put them in a pan and boil them for 20 minutes, don't they? Do they eat them after? You could. There's no reason why you couldn't. But you'd want to go to the chocolate afterwards, really, wouldn't you? You don't want to be eating normal eggs on Easter. I don't mind a hard-boiled egg, me, personally. Now, you did mention about the World Marble Championships as well. You yourself competed once in that. Yep. Uh, we got to the uh, quarterfinals of the World Marble Championship, lost to the eventual winners. I could have been a world champion. That's magnificent. Where, yeah. What country was that in? That's in England as well. That's uh, that's yesterday. It's Good Friday. It's at the Greyhound Pub near Gatwick Airport. So you can literally fly in. Go straight to the World Marbles Championship, become a world champion, fly home again. You are a true champion, Beefy. <laughs> what? Uh, just, it's in my nature, Di. It's in my nature. Well, thanks so much for listening to The Bucket List. Don't forget you can also check out our podcast. And, of course, you can check us out on Facebook. Like us and share the love. Yeah, at The Bucket List Radio. So check us out. Have a great Easter, everybody. Make sure your Easter is filled with sport. Thanks for listening to The Bucket List. Thanks to myclubshop.com.au. Get back and also Sportsnet Holidays. If you'd like to find out more about their great range of packages, please keep listening. Good morning, it's The Bucket List, and we are speaking this morning to Daniel Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays. Good morning, Daniel. Can't wait to talk about this one. It's really pricked my attention, this one. It is. It's a Netball World Cup from the 12th of July for 10 days, and it's in Liverpool. There's got to be some amazing things going on in Liverpool at that time, I would imagine, Daniel. It's one of my favourite events. It's the pinnacle of, of international netball. First time it's been in England since 95 when it was in Birmingham, and all matches we played in the one arena being Liverpool Arena. 11,000 people, so it's, it's not a huge arena. It's completely sold out. And being in Liverpool, which is one of England's most iconic cities, there's going to be a lot to do outside of the netballs. Now, they've tweaked the tournament a little bit this time around, haven't they? They've added four teams. So compared to Sydney four years ago, uh, when there were two pools of six, this time there's there's going to be four pools of, of, of four. And there's actually three stages, uh, with the st- third stage being the semi-finals final and, and the placing match. There'll be two pool stages, the finals. Theoretically, they're expecting more competitive matches, and that's the idea around it. Australian at Diamonds have something to prove, but they could well be up against it. 
even though the, the Diamonds have dominated the event, I think they've won 11 of the last 14, never four in a row. The fact that they lost at, uh, at the Com Games, and, and not just the, the fact that the Diamonds lost, the Kiwis actually came forth. They lost the bronze, I think it was to Jamaica, as well as losing to Malau in the pool stages. The rest of the world has cut the gap, so we're expecting a really, really competitive Nepal World Cup. I'm confident the Diamonds are going to bounce back, and I'm confident they're going to win four in a row uh, for the first time. The packages are completely sold out. They have been for some time. There's just enormous demand versus not, not so much supply. Again, only 11,000 people can sit in, the, in that stadium. Our initial allocation of ticket packages sold out in 24 hours, wow. and it was a big allocation. The demand is enormous, like I mentioned. Relative to other World Cups, the Nepal World Cup is, is extremely affordable, which makes a difference. Every time this comes around, every four years, it's a, a super popular one. What's the demographic of the people you're taking on these tours? Predominantly women. A lot of girls and women love to go away together and enjoy the netball. Some wives drag their husbands <laughs> along. It is predominantly women, but there is a lot of men into it as well. It's a bit of both, but I'd say predominantly women. And tell me, Daniel, was the 2023 Netball World Cup recently announced? It's going to happen in Cape Town, South Africa, oh. uh, one of my favourite cities in the world. It's a bucket list city. It's, it's right up there with the Rio de Janeiro's and the New York's and the Sydney's of the world. I love that place. And, and the fact that they're bringing the Netball World Cup there is is just so exciting for, for South Africa. And, uh, looking forward to that one. And we're already starting to plan for that oh, right now. The fact that you've sold out these pages just proves how popular Netball is on a world stage, especially in Australia, where the overseas stars are coming into the Australian League now to kind of prove themselves at the top level. What we do for, for all our, our clients and guests, they can actually go on our website, register for the event, but we take it one step further that if they put down a $50 refundable deposit, we will contact them first. And everyone who did that for, for this World, Netball World Cup in Liverpool got the opportunity to, to buy that, that, that package that sold out within the first 24 hours. So, again, it's refundable so that if they don't want to go ahead, they can get their money back. But if they're super keen, that's what we suggest. Just look up sportsnetholidays.com or you can give Daniel a call on 1300 888 858 Sportsnet Holidays. 1300 888 858 or sportsnetholidays.com. Does your sporting club or community group need help with fundraising? My Club Shop is your essential fundraising partner. This free service is simple to use and can provide a 12-month-a-year revenue stream. With support from great companies like Samsung and TCL and new features being added daily, this revolutionary platform is a complete game-changer. Did we mention it's all free? All you have to do is log on to myclubshop.com.au to register your interest and one of our friendly team will get in touch straight away. That's myclubshop.com.au.